I would like to welcome you all very warmly to this weekend retreat here at Gaia House. My name is Yanai, and I'd also like to introduce Kirsten, who will be uh, assisting me on this retreat. We've both been involved in the world of meditation practice for many, many years, and uh, it's a very lovely thing to have the opportunity to spend some time with others who are interested to explore, to perhaps encounter for the first time or continue to deepen an exploration that maybe for some of you has been going on for many years. To be here at Gaia House for this purpose is a, is a wonderful thing, I would say. And uh, as I've done many times over many years, just arriving at this point and just looking around, seeing wonderfully familiar faces and some I've known many years and uh, equally wonderfully completely new faces. You may have been here before but maybe I haven't met you or sometimes I may even have met you and may not remember which is a little bit embarrassing but uh, I hope you'll forgive me if that's ever the case. It's just that sense of what brings people here. What brings you here? Something wonderful to reflect on or to feel that. That sense of that. That... uh, and particularly for those of you doing this kind of thing for the first time, I'd really like to invite you to, to enter into this place and in this space as a, as a gift, as an offering to yourself. In fact, one of the teachers, Martine Batchelor, who's been involved with Guy House also for many years, uh, she would sometimes say, it's not just a retreat, it's a treat. To have, have a treat, the opportunity to be um, together in a very particular way. And we'd like to take some time to talk about what that might or what that will look like and how you might experience that and really give some framework for, for what we'll be doing and why we'll be doing it over these days, this weekend. And it may be that you've come for many different reasons. It's maybe what prompted you to uh, give up the opportunity for some extra pre-Christmas shopping on the weekend. Um, that there are different motivations or intentions behind that. Or maybe it wasn't such a hard thing to give up uh, another Saturday in a, in a mall desperately looking for things that were going to make people happy or ourselves happy. It's an interesting time of year, Christmas. The, uh, the very great degree of weight it carries for us, this period of time, the time when we really feel like we want to be happy, we need to be happy, we want to get the things and the circumstances that will enable us to be happy, and how much pressure comes upon, particularly families, I think, and often families with children, but not just them, too, not just such people in such circumstances to to find what brings happiness and the idea of the the season of good cheer and festivity and at this particular time in the context of how the world is what's going on the various uncertainties both uh, in terms of the economics of our sort of western and not just our western world but certainly our western world's economics how that's doing the ecology of this planet and how that's doing the state of peace and 
conflict in the world and all of that, we can see that there's an immense number of things that seems to bear upon or affect the quality of our lives, our degree of happiness or peace or well-being. And all of these things are important. All of these things we can, I think, appropriately and skillfully give attention to and perhaps contribute to in useful or wholesome ways. And yet, it's also true and very much, I would say, an important truth that is very much at the heart of the spiritual life and spiritual teachings is the recognition that all of those circumstances, the condition of the world, of the planet, of the ecology, of the economy, important as they are, there are other aspects and dimensions to our life that equally and perhaps even more profoundly contribute to our sense of happiness and well-being to the degree to which we experience for ourselves a quality of peace of connection a quality of we could say happiness or contentment in life and the recognition that that possibility or that we could say territory of potential lies within our own hearts and minds is something that has been understood something that has been recognised by people such as ourselves throughout the ages and the taking of a period of time in order to give attention to our hearts and our minds and our bodies as a way of engaging usefully with our life in a way that can be transformative this is a it's not necessarily the most common weekend activity that we might find if we were to sort of analyse human activity over the ages. There are other things that people have probably spent more time doing um, in the last couple of thousand years or so. But at the same time as it's not what everybody's been doing every weekend, there's a really steady record or recording of people, reports and stories and teachings from people who have done what we're going to be doing this weekend which is to take a period of time and step away from the normal activities and concerns of day-to-day life, the quite appropriate activities and concerns of, of livelihood, of relationships, of families, and taking care of the many things we need to take care of to live in this world. And in stepping away from all that, giving ourselves a really precious opportunity, offering to ourselves an immensely valuable gift of time and space to connect more deeply with ourselves, to explore more fully and directly what it means to be alive, what it means to be a human being with a heart and a mind and a body. And this remarkable capacity we have to be conscious and aware of what's unfolding in our life 
coupled with the equally remarkable capacity we have for completely forgetting all about that and many other things that are important to us and seeming to spend our days rushing from one thing to the next without rest or release. And somewhere between those two, we could say extremes or polarities, this capacity we have for being conscious, for being aware, for being awake, this has more to offer to us than we might have imagined or conceived and is very much the foundation for what we'll be doing here over this weekend. And at the same time, the the fact that we can easily spend our lives rushing from one thing to the next, chasing after circumstances or experiences or possessions or relationships or, or whatever it is that we might believe is going to fulfill us or satisfy us. The fact that we do this and do it so uh, enthusiastically, despite... <coughs> the fact that it doesn't necessarily seem to come to a swift or satisfying conclusion. This, this is something we'll equally, equally be giving attention to. That taking time out from our normal activity to be on retreat, to engage in meditation, what this does is it gives us a chance to see more clearly what goes on. And what goes on here might not be all that different from what goes on anywhere else in your life in terms of your inner experiences. But what will be possible is the opportunity to begin to see that and to see the ways in which we can support our inner life, to, to orient, to incline towards that which is wholesome and beneficial, that leads to well-being and happiness. And equally learning to orient or incline our inner life through how we engage with it, through how we meet it, through how we come to understand it, to incline that away from the patterns and the habits and the tendencies that so often entangle us in unskillful and unsatisfying patterns of behaviour that we might recognise as unskillful or unhelpful and yet not know how to free ourselves from and therefore continue to enact again and again and again. So we might turn up at a retreat thinking, you know, I come here to get something. And quite reasonably and understandably that we wouldn't turn up here because we want to get nothing, it would seem. And yet we can also usefully understand what a retreat is uh, by reflecting on the rather wise, I would say, words of uh, Jack Cornfield and one such Jack Cornfield is a senior teacher in the uh, insight meditation tradition that uh, is the sort of the foundation of the practice we'll be offering is uh, coming from and he uh, he once commented that people come to a retreat as if they're going to the general store as if they want to kind of go and get all the things that they're missing and would like to have and he said actually now this isn't like going to the store being on a retreat it's like going to the dump like coming here to get rid of or let go of those things you don't need anymore to carry around with you so it's much more about releasing ourselves from that which we are not served by and do not need to maintain or retain.
And as we begin to learn what meditation can offer us by way of support for that, by, as we begin to see what teachings, spiritual teachings, can offer us by way of guidance for that, a remarkable potential and realm of possibility opens up. The teachings and the practices we'll be offering here over this weekend retreat are predominantly drawn and to the yeah, not not exclusively as such, but to the largest degree drawn from the teachings of the Buddha, who was a, a human being like ourselves, who lived in what is now India over two and a half thousand years ago, who had similar questions to the questions that I imagine may be part of what brought you here. Why is life the way it is? What makes sense, given that our life is the way it is? How can I learn to be at peace in the midst of it? How can I learn to be free in the midst of it? These kind of questions arose in his life as they may have arisen in yours. They certainly have arisen in the minds of many people I've spoken to over the the years of sharing the Dharma. And the Buddha had an immense commitment to exploring those questions for himself. And through his commitment and dedication over many years of exploration came to some remarkable understanding, some transformative understandings. And through his life and his sharing of that understanding amongst others who were interested and they sharing it to others throughout the area he lived in his time and from one generation to the next over 2,600 years. We come to be here in this Western world, in this building right now with the opportunity to hear and to practice teachings of peace, teachings of wisdom and compassion, teachings of liberation and freedom. And this is really what we are here to do. That's certainly what my wish is and aspiration is for this time, that it contributes to these things for all of us here. And that this this exploring, this opportunity, it may be for you that you don't particularly relate to, you know, spiritual teachings as such. It may seem more like, well, I'm just interested in a bit more sort of general physical, emotional well-being. That's fine too. We don't have to necessarily have a lofty aspiration to engage usefully in meditation practice. And yet to be able to receive its full potential, that's really part of the of what's on offer. And so with what is offered, my invitation to you is to just see what serves you. Really try it out, explore it. It's very much an experiential teaching and practice. It's not about kind of doing it right or being good in some abstract or moral way but about really exploring and seeing for ourselves, which we can do, which each of you, each of us can do. See for ourselves, through our own capacity for wisdom, through our own capacity for kindness, what it is that can transform our lives and this world.
And in order to support ourselves and to create the conditions which enable this to be possible or most supportive for this endeavour, there's various ways that we invite you to, to be here. And Kirsten's going to just speak a little bit about the foundations of the, the retreat in that regard. I'll just pass the microphone over. Excuse the noise it's probably going to make. Maybe not too bad. Nearly not. Yeah. Maybe not. Can any, everybody hear me? Yeah. So welcome everyone. And just to begin, I'm really happy to be here and I'm really looking forward to spend the weekend with you. And um, I would like now to speak a little bit about yeah, the conditions we try to create together here during this week and to really facilitate this process of exploration, opening. Um, Jan, I wrote in the retreat description, you know, opening to the way things are. And I would like to add the word opening to the way things really are. And maybe even being willing and able to put question marks behind very dear-held beliefs about ourselves, how we are, how we always have been, how we always will be, and about how the world is, has been and will be. And what do we need to actually create an environment where we can feel safe enough to explore very deep questions about ourselves and the world we live in? and in which we can open up to things in a really new way. And there are some ingredients which have been long tested, applied many times in the last two and a half thousand years, and one of it is silence. So really we encourage you during this week and to maintain what is called by the Buddha noble silence. I really like noble silence. It's ennobling to be silent. And really not to try, try not to see it as something you know, really heavy and joyless, but really space you are giving yourself. And again and again for myself, I find it so amazing how much silence actually keep, helps you to quieten down, silencing the mind and to actually explore deeper in, into what is going on. So silence as a gift we give to each other during this weekend. And again, there are some traditions where you are not encouraged to even look at each other, so you keep really very, very inside yourself. And we don't have to do this here in Gaia House. So if you have, feel moved to smile at someone, please do so. The other person might not smile back because they might be really with themselves. It's okay. But just to really play a little bit around and really seeing it as something which we offer to each other. And I know for many of you, silence can be quite constricting and heavy. But maybe another way to look at it is actually what silence also does is it creates space. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't have to impress others. 
you don't have to tell your story. Just what a freedom. I don't have to tell my story about what I'm doing, what I did before, what I'm going afterwards. Oh, it can be a real relief just being here with each other. And the second uh, very, very important um, ingredient of this weekend will be the five precepts. And the manager mentions them already very shortly in their opening talk. And I have to now, I, I still need notes for my <laughs> introduction. And the five precepts are, as it was mentioned before, it's not to kill. And of course, we don't kill each other here on the retreat. Of course, you know, it's very obvious. But also to really look how very, very habitually, you know, we are bothered by an insect, by a fly, by a spider, and butch, just do it. We don't even think about it. And it just questions this. It's actually including every living being on the grounds and in this, in this house to be really very, very aware of how we are habitual just try to get rid of something which uh, annoys us. The second one is not to take what has not been given. Again, makes complete sense, you know. You don't want that things vanish, that they are taken by other people. The third one is not to lie or engage in false speech, okay? This is not maybe one of the primary precepts because you don't speak with each other, but also look how do you actually speak to yourself, you know? Do you tell yourself the truth about yourself and about others? Just explore it, be curious about it, you know, the inner dialogue, which most probably will be going on quite consistently during the weekend, I expect, and the fourth one is not to indulge in sexual misconduct. So during the retreat, actually, during the weekend, we asked you to refrain from any sexual activities. And again, not out of some moral standpoint that it isn't right to do so, but really inviting you to stay with yourself and to explore this aspect of your life, which is a huge aspect of each of us. Even if we don't have a sexual relationship, it's quite a, a, big, a big aspect of human life. How do we relate to it? It can be very, very interesting. And the last one is not to take any drugs or any substances which intoxicate the mind. And of course, if you are on medication, which you need to take, please continue doing so, but no alcohol and no any other substances during this weekend. Because what we want is to explore our mind as it is clear and pristine. And these five precepts are really not commandments in the sense of thou shalt or you must not. What I really like to call them is like five trainings. It's like it's, it's, an, it's an exploration into these aspects of our lives. And very often we, we, we act out of a very habitual patterns. We, we violate these precepts out of habitual patterns. And to just explore this, what is going on here? Where, what, what, you know, just 
you know, oh, I want to get rich, you know, just telling a lie because it's easier and just to be interested about it and not getting down on yourself. So then, of course, if you break a precept, it's not a sin. It's just mostly that there was a lack of wisdom and understanding in this moment in yourself. And see it like this. You won't be damned to eternal hell. I said, oh, yeah, what happens there? What happens there? And for me, I can definitely say the exploration of the five deep precepts can get in deeper and deeper levels, and it can be really quite revealing if you don't see them as something thou shalt do, but really as like curiosity, interest, questioning. Is this, is, is this wisdom expressing itself or is it fear, anger and illusion expressing itself? What is going on? Does it lead to happiness? Does it lead to unhappiness? Ah, ah. So, and the last ingredient, very, very important also, is simplicity. Will be very simple during this week, and on one level, on the outer, in the outer world, you know, Gaia House. It's not a five-star hotel. The food is not French haute cuisine. It's very delicious food, but it's quite simple. There is a schedule. All you do, basically, is very simple activities, and keep it like this. You don't have to make any major decisions for this weekend can be scary, can be a real relief. Just try to follow the schedule. It's very simple. Walking, sitting, standing, eating, walking, nothing else to do. Um, very important. I would really like uh, to invite you to give yourself the gift to have a mobile-free weekend. So if you need to do any calls before the retreat starts to actually deal with anything which is still pending and you have to have to finish it off, do it tonight and then turn off your mobile and put it away. <sighs> what a relief again. Also there is a library and we would like you to not use the library during the retreat and spend a lot of time reading, but to really spend most of the time, or as much time as possible, to directly experience the teachings we are offering this weekend. So you will have time to read later. Again, with, with writing... The best probably would be not to go into excessive journal writing because it will take you away again of a direct experience what is going on now. And again, if you feel that you want to share something with people, and it's fine to write something down at the end of the day. But again, you know, explore with it. Is it like a way of getting away? You know, I write it down, I distance myself, I put it into words. And just again, not judging it, but see what is happening there. And I just want to conclude with what the Buddha said about the five precepts and actually about all the things I was mentioning uh, just now, which I really like, is that these the five precepts, especially in the silence, there are pristine, ancient 
and unadulterated gifts. And if we give these gifts to each other, we give freedom to countless beings from fear, hostility and oppression. And by giving them, we will be free from fear, hostility and oppression. Thank you very much and have a nice retreat. Thank you, Kirsten. So, uh, we have this place. Gaia House has been a place of spiritual practice for many years, longer than just the 12 years it's been our retreat centre, having moved here after 12 years at uh, Vicarage, just across the way in Denbury. There's a sense of support that comes to us from our environment and the retreat centre, this hall where people have been sitting doing meditation for days and weeks and months and years over the last 12 years and beyond. A sense of sort of peacefulness and uh, calm in the grounds around here. There's sort of an outer environment here that's supportive to what we're doing that's been built up over the years. And then we contribute to that also by creating the, the community environment, just as Kirsten has said, the silence, the precepts, the simplicity. And when we have that, we have a place and we have a, a community environment that we've established, then we can begin to engage in meditation in a way that's meaningful and useful. We have a foundation for it. And this weekend, as a meditation retreat, we will be for the most part, engaging in meditation. So I'd just like to speak a little bit about what we mean when we say meditation, what that looks like from this point of view. It's easy to imagine that meditation is something done sort of sitting cross-legged, very upright-looking, you know, austere or possibly spiritual and uh, perhaps somewhat like the uh, the images of the, the Buddha and... Uh, Kuan Yin, who's an uh, embodiment of compassion in uh, some of the Buddhist traditions here, and uh, sort of have some idea that that's what meditation is supposed to look like, you know, calm, serene, peaceful, haven't moved at all for the last, you know, 35 minutes, whereas I've been sort of shuffling and sort of changing posture. And uh, although what that represents, that stillness, that uprightness, is something very true and useful, meditation in its essence is about something very simple and immediate. And it is this capacity we have for being awake which we can harness with our intentions, which we can choose to support, to cultivate and to develop and to learn to live more and more fully in contact with this quality of being awake and present that allows us to see things, as Kirsten said, as they really are. That we often see things rather superficially through not giving careful attention to them. So we learn in meditation to pay attention. 
It's interesting the phrase even paying attention. It's like it's it's not that it costs us something, but there's there's some value in attention. It's it's got a value in it. I mean, we, even just our common English usage says paying attention. It's like you're giving something that's like currency when you're paying. Something of value is being exchanged or offered when we pay something. So to pay attention is to begin to see more clearly and directly what is true. To be able to see through our tendency to misconstrue or misconceive our experience based on a a rather fleeting and shallow attentiveness that tends to more skip over the surface rather than rest and steady ourselves and our attention in a way that allows it to penetrate more deeply into experience. So meditation is really the use of our intention, that capacity we have to make a choice or to orient ourselves towards something. We could do it to any number of different things, but to orient ourselves, to make an intention towards being conscious and present, towards being awake in the midst of our experience, not as a way of distancing from it or removing ourselves from it, but as a way of being right close and intimate with it and yet not being entangled by it or bound by it in any way. So this is something really, at one level, very simple to be present. We all know what that's like, to just remember that, oh, I'm here. But it's also something that we also know what it's like to forget because many times in much of our life we're not present or conscious. We are unconscious, lost in the realms of the mind, thinking about the past and the future. And so the primary orientation within meditation practice is towards where we are, towards what is actual and immediate in our experience. Whatever that is, however that appears to us or feels for us, is not the most important thing. What's important is, can we remember again and again or come back again and again to a relaxed and yet interested engagement with what's happening? And the forms and the tools of meditation that we'll use and that we'll explore and we'll give instruction for and practice together, these forms, such as sitting and walking and standing and meditating in those, those ways and the, the tools of, of mindfulness, of heartfulness, of, of wisdom and compassion, of attentiveness, of calming and stilling the mind, of clarifying and deepening the heart. These tools are in the service, and these forms are in the service of this. This capacity to be conscious and awake. And although it's a very simple thing, it's also a remarkably challenging thing, as any and probably many of you will have known well for yourselves before arriving here, if you've at all engaged in meditation practice. Sometimes the more complicated versions of meditation one encounters are much easier to do because there is something to do. And those that are relatively simple 
are challenging in equal proportion or equal measure simply because there isn't really anything to do. And we're well trained at doing things. We're really good at it. Our whole culture's had us at it since we were ever so small, without a break. And yet learning what it is to not have to be orienting towards or defining ourselves by what we're doing. This is not an easy thing. But it's worth it. It's worth the challenge that it might involve. The demands it might make upon us. Because to really understand what it means to be, to be a human being, to exist in the... uh, Remarkable truth of what that is is worthy of endeavor and wholehearted engagement. So, if you can kind of just have a sense of that somewhere in the back of your mind, or sort of the, that when, when, when we're giving instruction and guidance for practice, and there's forms and there's tools and there's teachings being offered, that it's really in the service of this. To see what is true. To bring understanding and kindness to bear upon the truth of your life as it is. And to see how that simple and yet challenging process has a remarkably transformative power. It's useful to come on a retreat as if we might imagine ourselves going on a journey. Actually, we're not going anywhere. If anything, we're learning what it is to just be where we are and not constantly need to leave or depart. But nonetheless, as a metaphor, we could imagine ourselves going on a journey as a a way of understanding what a retreat will be like. And whether or not you've done many such retreats, short retreats or long retreats. Or equally, if this is the first time you're doing anything like this, it tends to be that we come with certain expectations as to what's going to happen and how it will be, or what's not going to happen and how that will be. And if you've travelled at all, you've probably encountered and probably explored the wisdom of travelling light to see that how... The things we carry with us when we journey tend to sort of drag behind us and weigh us down. And to travel lightly in a journey of meditation, practice, is to not carry too many expectations or demands. Not to come with too many projects that you feel you need to complete or fulfill. To not be here in order to fix or sort out too many things about yourself or the world. Such transformation may well be part of your journey. And there's certainly nothing wrong with aspiring and wishing for such particular forms of transformation that we might feel our life needs. But to also just trust in your life and to learn to be present is simply to learn to trust wholeheartedly, absolutely and unconditionally in our life. That's what it asks, that's what it requires, to trust our life as it is. To do so, to to learn to trust that deeply and wholeheartedly our life is to come quite naturally to rest, 
Not that life stops moving and changing and unfolding in all the different ways that it can, but that something within us that may have been driven to keep moving, rushing, changing, pursuing, can somehow quite organically come to rest. And so taking this time not to produce results that you're going to take home and tell your friends about and impress them with your exploits and achievements and miraculous spiritual experiences. Although all of those things can be part of your retreat, they may or may not be. Equally not be concerned if you don't want any of that and you want it just to be calm and plain and ordinary. That's okay. It might be that way. It might not. But if we don't hold expectations, what that does is it creates an openness which is rich with potential. An openness to receive your life and to see that that which we most long for in our hearts and although we might conceive and describe it in many different ways or maybe we don't conceive or describe it at all but whatever it is and however it is that we relate to it there is that in a human being in human life that stream and that movement that seeks for peace and freedom or we might call it truth or God or we might not put a word on it but all that we in the depths of our heart and our being do seek or yearn for is to be found right here when here is understood not to be a specific circumstance that we have to produce or situation that we have to engineer but here is understood to be the, the nature of what we're abiding in the nature itself of what is abiding at all that we could understand to be what we are And if that doesn't seem to make much sense to you, don't worry about it. It doesn't have to. And if it does, or if that seems useful, so what we're doing here is really to come to the end of doing. And to see what that reveals. Having said that, of course, uh, we'll be doing meditation. And so I'd like to give a few uh, kind of guidelines and instructions for the practice. As a, just as a basis for practicing together a little at this time, we'll give much further or much fur- fuller and further instructions tomorrow morning and uh, throughout the retreat, in fact, at different points. But just now, as a reminder for those of you who have meditation sort of practice established in your lives and as an introduction for those to whom this may be new and maybe you're doing this the first time which is wonderful if that's the case Um, certainly not required to come here with prior experience in fact uh, we're all when we remember when we're wise enough to remember even the most experienced amongst us are, are equally beginners in the truth of where we are in this moment 
what I'd suggest you do in terms of the meditation. In fact, what I'd like to do, even before I go into any specific meditation instruction, is to, when I say we're going to do some meditation, it's just kind of curious, what do we do? I notice some of you getting your legs folded and starting to look straight and upright, and it's like, yeah, we're going to do it like this, aren't we? You know, there's that guy up there and that Kwan you know, in there. So what I'd actually like to do is invite you to stand up. And as you do so, just feel what that's like. You might have been sitting uncomfortably for, or comfortably. Just notice what it's like to move your body. If there's any sense of release or relief or enjoyment even of the fact that it's not sort of Still, you can feel if you want to move your shoulders or lift your arms up or stretch a little bit. If you're paying attention while you're doing this, it's meditation. If you're not, it's not. So it's not to do with what you're doing. It's to do with whether you're interested in being conscious and connected. Just checking, actually, can you still hear me at the back? Because I'm not sure if it's coming through the speaker anymore. It is? Good? Great. And so what supports the meditation is the intention towards our own quality of connection and our well-being. There's a certain kindness and gentleness that's almost always helpful in meditation practice, even though there are times when one needs to be quite, we could say, fierce in one's commitment, that that needs to come always from a sense of real caring for our well-being. So just... As you move your body, and you might, want to, you might have something else you want to do, so just listen to your own sense of what your body needs to do right now. And uh, just stretch or move or stand still if you like, without going anywhere, because uh, we'll be sitting down in a moment or two. But when you've done what you feel like you need to do, or you'd like to do with your body, and it feels comfortable or... You can just allow yourself to stand still for a few moments or come to stillness in your standing position. And notice what it's like to feel your body standing here. What it's like to have your feet on the ground, your body upright. Buddha spent a lot of time doing standing meditation. So we'll be doing some of that over this weekend. Not so much, formally, together. But it is something you can employ if you find it's just not possible to keep to sustain a sitting posture. And I'll say more about that tomorrow. But for now, seeing if you can keep your attention in your body. So just feeling what your body feels like as you would, and then gently sitting down coming back into the seat or the cushion that you were sitting on. And as you go from standing to sitting, if you're simply trying to pay or doing what you can to pay attention to that experience, that's meditation. If you're not, then it's not. It's quite simple. 
And so the meditation doesn't necessarily begin when we sit down at the co- on a cushion and but it might do because if until that moment we didn't have any intention to be present then that's when it began. But it is that intention that makes the difference. And I hope I'm not sort of laboring the point too much. Excuse me if I am. Maybe you missed it because I had the microphone pointing at the ceiling, so that's all right. Um, having arrived in the sitting position, just take a moment to feel the quality or the sense of what your body feels like as it rests on the ground. Sitting meditation is very useful, very beneficial in many ways. For most people, it's worth making a little maybe sometimes more than a little degree of effort to establish yourself in a posture and uh, work with your body to, to find steadiness and stability in that. Occasionally for people due to significant health issues and sometimes history of injury or such thing, it's something that doesn't always work and it can be the need to use a lying posture. If that's the case for you, please let Kirsten or I know, come and speak with us, and we'll just check in with you to see if that's what's appropriate, and also give you some guidelines for how that can be useful and uh, beneficial. But feeling your body as you sit here, just take a moment to notice the weight of your bottom, or the weight of your body as your bottom sits on the cushion or the chair or the bench. A sense of being in touch with the earth, grounded, steady. Knees or feet on the ground also. If you're in a chair, useful to put your feet flat on the ground. If they don't touch the ground, maybe before the next sitting, there are some cushions and mats in the back of the uh, hall in the Zafu or the cushion room where you can use. So your feet are on the ground. Then establishing a sense of uprightness in your body. Without being rigid or tight, just having a sense of the body, the torso, upright. And with that quality of uprightness and alertness in your body, you can relax around all those places that don't need to be upright or hold you up right now. So noticing if your face is tight or if there's tension in the jaws or the eye, around the, the mouth or the throat. Just allowing that to relax so far as you can. Perhaps just breathing out. And as you breathe out, just giving yourself permission to relax your body. But without abandoning that sense of uprightness through the core of the torso, neck and head. Allowing the shoulders to be relaxed. So they can release down towards the earth allowing the belly to be soft and open so the breath can flow freely and naturally in your body and bringing your attention to that experience of breathing in and breathing out Directly connecting with the sensations you experience in your body that allow you to know that revealed to you breathing is taking place. 
as the air is drawn in through the nostrils and down the throat into the lungs, with the chest expanding and the belly rising on the in-breath. And then on the out-breath as the belly falls and the chest contracts and the air is moved up through the throat and out through the nostrils. Being in touch with that whole experience, breathing in and breathing out. Allowing that experience to be a place of resting your attention, of establishing a conscious connection with where you are right now, with your experience right here, just as it is. Allowing the breath to be just the way the breath is for you right now. And not thinking about it so much or analyzing it, evaluating it, but just experiencing it directly. One breath at a time. Bringing a relaxed and alert attention to this experience of breathing. And when you notice your attention has been drawn to some other experience, whatever it might be, acknowledging that without becoming too involved in it, not needing to fix it or get rid of it, but just acknowledge another experience and then gently returning your attention to the breath. In this way, cultivating a sense of simple and conscious presence. Being mindful of this immediate experience right here. And we'll just take a few minutes, five minutes or so, to practice together in this way. Mindfully breathing in. Consciously breathing out.
And if you find you become lost in thinking, just begin again, reconnecting with your breath right here. So, this retreat is underway, and uh, just want to add a few practical pieces to what we've already said. I won't keep you too much longer. I know some of you will have had very full weeks and long journeys to be here. So, just in terms of Completing things, as uh, 
well as as Kirsten mentioned, sort of any last minute phone calls you need to do. If there's any other things you need to do to settle in here, if you need to get your things from the car and put them in your room, or if you maybe just one or two that needed to fill in the registration and interview forms, or even if you just need to kind of walk around the house and get a sense of where things are, so you feel like you know, you know where the bathroom and where the tea urn and other such essentials can be found. And to take a little time this evening, just to have a sense so you settle in, so you're finished, and so that tomorrow can really be an open space for you, where you've done what you need to do, and you can really just receive the day as it comes. If, as many of you will be, you're in a shared room, and uh, you need to just organise something practical with your roommates, like shall we have the window wide open, a little bit open, or completely shut? And you might have different views on that, as you may have or may have not have noticed. It's okay to do that using, you know, as many or few words as you practically need. So it's not like you have to use sign language to negotiate around the um, the window. Um, but at the same time, be aware of the tendency to sort of getting into a lot more than just that and see if you can respect that uh, intention to just keep it for organising what's practical. And again, doing that tonight if you need to, so you don't need to get into that too much tomorrow. Just want to mention if any of you are concerned that uh, it was a little cool in some parts of the building when you arrived and that was uh, just due to uh, some uh, not not realising amongst some of the, uh, the staff that certain radiators needed to be turned on and uh, the intention is to provide uh, enough heating to keep us at least not too cold and hopefully quite warm, but uh, being a large old building, it sometimes takes a while to get from cool to warm. And uh, I hope you'll all be comfortable with regard to that. And at the same time, obviously, as we said, it's not a five-star hotel, so uh, sometimes if it's a little cool, one can also uh, grab a blanket or an extra jumper and uh, deal with it that way. And if I, I'm sure the managers, sorry, the coordinators, we've had a, ch- a name change here of the the the, uh, the, the community of uh, residential volunteers, we could say, who live here for a year at a time. Each of them are now called the coordinators, and uh, I will certainly manage to get it wrong sometimes. We used to call them the managers, um, and uh, if I do, I'll attempt to remember and straighten it out. But uh, just to let you know that. Um, so the uh, coordinators will probably have told you that there are extra blankets and such things if needed and if what's available in your wing or near your room isn't enough let let someone know and uh, there's probably more can be found apart from that I don't think there's any other practical things I want to say a little bit about tomorrow morning's schedule we'll have the uh, wake up at 6.30 which is, uh, as I often find myself saying, it would be regarded in sort of the uh, the traditions in Asia, or the place in Asia from which this practice and teachings comes, is uh, getting up at 6.30 would, uh, rather than seem like rather early on a Saturday morning, would actually count as a, a really good long lion. So uh, that's when we'll begin with a wake-up, and there's half an hour then to uh, just uh, do what you need to do, bathroom and all of that, and uh, if if you're so inclined, then I would encourage you to, to take take a little fresh air, maybe some exercise, some movement, some stretching. If you have, you know, you like to do a little yoga or tai chi or aerobics or any of that sort of thing, aikido, uh, qigong. There's 
or something that doesn't have an interesting Asian name to go with it. Um, all of that is uh, encouraged because I, I think it's really useful just to kind of limber up the body from the heaviness of sleep. Um, and as one of my teachers used to say, sort of morning exercise doesn't, it's not, doesn't really count to say that you rolled from one side of your mattress to the other at the, uh, the wake-up bell. So the encouragement is to, to get up. And then we'll have the uh, first sitting of the day at 7 a.m. And it'll be a half hour sitting up until breakfast. And there'll be just a few very brief reminders and encouragements in that sitting. Um, then uh, with regard to the meditation instructions. Then at 7.30 there's breakfast and uh, uh, a nourishing hot breakfast served in the morning. So do please enjoy and uh, nourish yourself with, with that. Then the work period at 8.15, and uh, that will be for most of you the time you have your work period and you'll have the instructions for that. For those of you who have your work period around the meal times, at lunch time and tea time, supper time, it's a free period or there's, there's no particular activity. And so I just encourage you to uh, take a walk or have a sit down somewhere comfortable, but not to get again too busy with doing something or running about. It's uh, a great opportunity just to have nothing to do. Something we often wish for and then don't easily manage to receive when it comes our way. And then at 9.15 the work period ends. And uh, for those of you who are doing your work period, then it's really quite important that you do conclude at that point so that you have time to clean up and sort yourselves out so that we can all arrive here together for the sitting with instructions at 9.30. At that time we'll be giving quite full and comprehensive instructions and also reflecting on the practice and what we'll be doing in the day. So if you can be there for that on time, it's really helpful. It's actually helpful for all the sittings, but that one particularly, to to get there at the time of beginning. And then uh, there'll be some walking meditation, further sitting and walking and that through to lunchtime. And we'll say more about how that will unfold when we get there. But um, I think that's probably enough. The schedule will, well, should be, and I trust will be posted on the main notice board uh, when you go out. I think it might be there already, actually. And uh, that's, you can see what the rest of the day will look like. And so I think that's most of the things I wanted to mention at this time. Is there anything else you can think of? No. Okay, thank you. And does anyone have any questions? Excuse me, I've got a very itchy ear. It's not the sort of thing you want to have in meditation, but uh, sometimes that's what you get. Um, Does anyone have any questions or anything that wasn't clear in terms of practical stuff of what we've been speaking about? Great. that's, That's good. So then, uh, if at this time you'd like to enjoy a hot drink or a cold drink or such, you're very welcome to do so. It's uh, just coming up to quarter past nine, and I'd like to wish you a a good evening, a a good night's rest. And uh, on behalf of both Kirsten and myself, that this uh, our wish for this time, that this retreat really be a a genuine contribution to your well-being and uh, to your awakening.
So, good evening, and we'll meet again tomorrow and continue with this practice. Thank you. Good night. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.